All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 204. Nerlens Noel is suing Clutch Sports and Rich Paul for 58 mil. Ben Simmons goes viral again, and J.R. Smith is heading back to school. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 204. Shout out to the world-famous 204's surf spot right here in San Clemente, California. Shout out to the hometown. We are back. Uh, it's been it's been a little while. A lot has changed uh, since our Patrick Beverly podcast. He had been <laughs> traded 13 times and will not be serving the Memphis Grizzlies and a good fit for the Grizzlies. Uh, Patrick is now in his favorite place, Minnesota, yep. which is interesting, but, um, Hey man, it was Kobe's birthday on the 24 on the 23rd. And then it was, uh, Mamba day on the 24th. How did you spend it, man? Uh, mostly just, just deep diving on Instagram. I, the, the nicest part about having his birthday and the Mamba day be back to back is that it really is a it's a great way to remember this guy. All of his highlights pop up. All of the the stuff that he did off the court pops up. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of sadness, of course, right? Because it's just like, man, it, it's ridiculous that he's not here. Uh, but I just I spent hours just like looking at his highlights, his, his some of his commercials, which are some of my that Jalen one. Oh yeah, that's uh, with the, the eighty one olives. olives, like yeah. that's it's my it's one of my favorite commercials ever made. Uh, the, there was another one that I saw where he was like the conductor, like for his retirement. That that one was awesome, where all the fans have hated him for so long, that, but they didn't want to see him go. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it it put a, a smile on my face, right? Remembering, but that at the same time, it was just that you know that back of the the mind thought. It's like, man, it's so tragic. Still, it it, it yeah, it still doesn't feel real. I totally agree, and you know, I let the people on our Instagram know that like our number one downloaded podcast we've ever done was our dear kobe episode and i've never listened to it in its entirety and i was listening to it before i went to bed and i got the chills i got the chills saying it now i'm like now i totally understand why people why it resonated with people and you can hear in our voices just how shook we were you know and how real that podcast was like our feelings our emotions and that's what you know that's what podcasting is at its at its core is like you're feeling and and how you're feeling at that particular time. And it just took me back to that crazy two weeks, Drew, where just we really didn't know what to do. We didn't want to podcast. And then like, how do you try to entertain people by talking about this subject? And it was just a really great episode. If you guys haven't listened to it uh, and you want to cry a little bit or you want to reminisce and and go back, uh, you should check it out. It's our Dear Kobe episode. But um, it's crazy, too, up- man, because like we had his memorial in february and then the whole world shut down after that Um, right so i think that's also part of the disconnect for me is that like what happened right after that seemed like we were in some sort of movie not reality right so it's just weird to put myself back in january of 2020 and being like well fuck david stern just died now kobe's dead like this is the worst and then it really got to be like the worst where the whole you know world shut down for a moment and does it feel like it was last month to you too Oh my God. Yeah. I, it, it feels, it feels like last month and then five years ago, all, all the same time to me. It's really weird. This, that year of 2020 and, and, you know, the majority of 2021, honestly, for me, it, it does, it seems like life still moves on, but a lot of it feels like it's on pause at times for me too, which is weird. Like, I don't feel like I aged. No, no, I'm not counting (laughs) it. I'm not counting it. Did did I really, I lost my 31st year to a pandemic. That's a bitch. (laughs) Well, a lot of people lost a lot more too, Drew. So if you got absolutely, you got to look at it like that. Hey, there was other sad news in the NBA world this week. Uh, New York Knicks legend Ron Baker has retired um, and is going to pursue uh, a career in the medical field. And it's so funny. I'm joking, guys, because this is no lie. Okay, I pride myself on knowing almost everything you need to know about NBA basketball, history, culture, everything. And I swear to God, when I saw our boy Mikey from official NBA buzz post 
Ron Baker. I had no idea who this dude is. Yeah, man. It, and of course, I Drew probably knows him. Drew yep. knew him, of course. Yeah, Wichita but, State. And a lot of people informed me that that's who it was. But look, yeah. like, look, bro, I had no idea who this man is, and he's been in the <laughs> NBA for four years. He was a he was a, a an incredible player for Wichita State, kind of like a, a throwback. I mean, obviously, the, he's a white guy, so the comparisons are always going to be throwbacks. But like really was like a small Havlicek for for okay. the Wichita like just kind of did it all right he was he was able to score he was a good defender he was gritty all that all the stereotypes about a guy who looks like him who plays good basketball they all were true he was making them all true so Baker was solid and I you know I think he was probably what like a, a second round pick by the or undrafted maybe uh but dude he's an undersized two guard I think and I think what like what didn't happen was he wasn't able to turn into a point guard. He had never really played that position. I think he's probably about six, four, maybe six, five at the most. And uh, you know, he, he was a two guard in college and you can get away with that at that size and his athleticism, but we all know this. It's a, it's another, it's another monster stepping into the NBA. So, but Ron Baker, awesome, awesome uh, job going with healthcare. Like that's, if he's, if he's dipping into healthcare, then good for you, buddy. No, I, that's, I mean, again, at the end of the day, you played three years in the NBA and you're probably making the right decision to go into a, a better field. Cause after three years and clips doesn't know you, you're probably not doing something right. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, and I take full, you know, like I'm fine with saying that I don't know that guy. And I wasn't the only one in our thread that didn't know who this dude was. And then we had one guy comment like, yeah, Ron Baker, he averaged like 10 to 15 for the Knicks I said in no universe did Ron Baker average 10 or 15 points a game for the New York Knicks what are you talking about right I, I I'm pretty sure he had the opportunity to do that I'm like he played he played a decent amount I want to say his rookie season maybe it was his sophomore year let me pull this up since we're talking about it I'm gonna pull up I'm gonna go to our favorite website basketballreference.com oh we're gonna talk about basketball reference here in a little Ron bit Baker yeah he's 6'4 so I was right on that uh, his career points uh, are 3.1, uh, 1.4 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. Let's take a look here. Yeah, no, his, his rookie year, he averaged 4.1 points per game, and that was the high. How many games? How many games did he play his rookie year? Dude, he played in 52 games. His Jesus, seriously? How do I not know this cat? He started 13 games <laughs> his, his rookie year. That's how bad the Knicks were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's exactly right. The Knicks were so bad. Uh, and then apparently he was traded to Washington um, on the back end of his third year before he left. I think he must have been playing overseas because he was not in the league the last two seasons. Uh, so maybe he went overseas and was just like, this is not, I do not like, Russia is not what I thought it was going nope. to be. Russia is not China, Wichita. The China air quality is tough. <laughs> their, their shows are not that good in China. What I've heard is, is uh, if you don't speak Mandarin, the shows are just terrible. Uh, yeah, shout out to Ron Baker. Played 96 games in the NBA. It's 96 more than I've ever played. So shout exactly. out to you, Ron Baker. I just thought that was a funny. He point. was a hooper, man. That's I mean, that's the thing. Like the person who said he averaged 10 to 15 is clearly just a I don't know. He's a nine years old. Is that kid nine years old? But, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he definitely didn't do that. I think he averaged like close to 15 a game in in college. I think that's probably okay. That's right. fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so there's not much going on in the NBA right now. We got clearly few, since we're talking since about, we're Ron talking about <laughs> <laughs> there is a few things, Drew, that I wanted to bring up. This is the Ron Baker pop, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so something interesting happened this week with Nerlens Noel. He's suing uh, Clutch Sports and Rich Paul. His representation as of late, and former, I was just, yeah former representation former now right, and I was yeah. just reading the timeline, and it, and it got me to think about a couple things. So, so Nerlens has his agent, Happy Walters, right? He was with Happy Walters from before the draft in 2013. This guy's been with him his whole career, um, and then Nerlens goes to Ben Simmons' birthday party in 2017. Meets Rich Paul. Rich Paul, you know, lathers him up a little bit, tells him to come over to Clutch, and he ends up doing it. I'm sure Rich Paul's really great at doing that, right? That's why he gets the talent that he gets. Um, so he turns down, Rich Paul turns down a $70 million offer from Dallas because Rich Paul tells Nerlens, quote, you're a $100 million man, right? 
So Nerlens signs a $4.1 million deal with the hopes of signing this huge max contract with Clutch, and it doesn't happen. Just does not happen, doesn't come. And Nerlens says that when he tears his ligament in his thumb, that Rich Paul basically just puts him to the side and doesn't even isn't even paying any attention to him. Rich Paul's telling Nerlens in his camp that, you know, we're not getting any serious offers, and basically we're not getting any offers at all. And obviously a six foot 11 big man that plays defense should be wanted on some team, right? I mean, it's Nerlens Noel. He's still relatively young. He's actually just turned recently turned into like a really good basketball player. It took him some time. Uh, we had higher hopes for him coming out of college, right? And this lawsuit wouldn't have even come. So, so Nerlens is, is suing clutch for $58 million in, in lost revenue in lost contract money. And this, this wasn't even going to be a thing until Rich Paul and Clutch sue Nerlens for $200,000 in unpaid commission, right? And Nerlens Noel is like, oh, no, hell no. We're not playing this game, right? And so Nerlens counter sues want, wanting his $58 million that he left on the table because his agent gave him really bad advice. And then it turns out that the Warriors, the uh, Houston, and the Clippers – we're trying to, to sign Nerlens Noel, and they stated we could not get a hold of Rich Paul. Wow. We couldn't get a hold of him, wouldn't return our phone calls, wouldn't do any of this shit. Have you heard this, Drew, or no? I hadn't heard that part. I hadn't I, heard that part of it. So I had known, even through my little network, that we were looking at Nerlens Noel, and he would have been perfect for us, but for whatever reason, it didn't come to fruition. And then these teams reach out and tell Nerlens, like, look, man, we had been reaching out to your your camp and nobody was returning our phone calls. So for me, to me, I'm a player. I'm putting my life in your hands, my future, my bread. And Nerlens was just saying all all rich and clutch cares about is the big is Trey and 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 Ben Simmons and Brawny and and all these other cats, which is understandable, but you still got to, you know, you still got to work and get your money for everybody else. So it made me think like and we're victims of this, Drew. Like we all talked about how bad it was for Dennis Schroeder to turn down the set. Was it 70 or 80? He turned down 80. 84, 84 million. Turned down 84 because he wanted 100. He's a hundred million dollar man. I'm quoting. And we all like kind of rip on Dennis Schroeder for not taking it. But maybe it's his representation is the ones that really fuck this up. Right. So what do you what do you think about this whole situation? And does Nerlens have a right to be pissed? And do, do you think he's entitled to get that fifty eight million dollars or some of that? This is tough, man. I mean, this really does. It, it's been something that's been talked about for for decades now. Is especially in the in the earlier days of the NBA in the seventies and eighties when money really started to come in. I mean, look at Kareem Abdul Jabbar. He got robbed of like a shit ton of his money because he trusted the wrong people. Uh, unfortunately for Nerlens, I think it is it's it's going to be difficult for I think any kind of judge to go well. You you kind of you agreed to have this person represent you. They may have failed in doing what you expected them to do, but it's still it's almost to me it's almost like trying to to sue your real estate agent for you buying a shitty house, right? Like the real estate agent just said, "Do you want this house?" You said yes, and then you know they facilitated the rest, but it's still on you because you bought the shitty house. You know what I'm saying? Now, I think certainly there is an argument for neglect, which is what I have seen. I think neglect is something that they're trying to like pinpoint specifically to hold uh, Clutch Sports and, and Rich Paul accountable. And to me, I think there's a case there, right? Like the, what you just said about not being able to get in contact with, not necessarily the deal that didn't happen or the money that didn't come his way, but the neglect and potentially losing money I do think there's got to be something owed there for sure. I would agree that the the commissions that that are owed, whatever those might be that are back due, I, I think that should not come out of Noel's pocket unless, of course, it's in some sort of tandem where he gives you know two hundred dollars, two hundred thousand dollars up in some sort of settlement deal that he gets money back. You know what I'm saying? Like if they if they if they don't agree that fifty eight million dollars is an, like what he should get. Uh, and then also from who, right? Like, it's not like Rich Paul was the one that was offering $58 million. It was these NBA teams that have budgets, that have cap space. So, like, where would Rich Paul come up with $58 million, right? So, I don't think that's going to happen because the money isn't there, right? I just can't imagine Rich being going like, cool, let me write a check. I mean, yes, 
Clutch Sports has a lot of money, but $58 million just in cash. I don't know <laughs> too many businesses in the world that would just be like, okay, yeah, we can handle that. Um, so I don't think he's going to get all of that. I think he deserves some sort of something out of this because clearly he was misrepresented and, and unfortunately probably did cost him some money, but it's very difficult to prove something like that. Yeah, but don't uh, you feel at that value? Don't you feel that, that, Rich Paul should be punished. I mean, don't you, in order to get your agent's license, like there has to be some code of conduct, right? Even your, your realtor license. I'm not going to compare Rich Paul to a doctor, but you know, your duty and your job is to perform your job to the best of your capabilities. Like you don't want to go in, uh, you know, to surgery and have some doctor not be a hundred percent in on the surgery. Right. Um, and be neglectful. And again, I don't want to compare it to being a doctor, but you should be punished at, at some point. And don't you, and here's another question. Do you think that Rich Paul and Clutch are just a little too powerful right now in the grand scheme of things of like basketball and, and manipulating where players go? I mean, I'm not gonna say it was all LeBron and and Clutch that made Montrez choose the Lakers, but you it kind of is. Like LeBron has this, he can tamper, like you literally can tamper through Rich Paul and like Trez and LeBron doing workouts before, you know, when when Trez was still a clipper. You know what I'm saying? And like, you can manipulate the situations. And I just, I don't know, man. Do you think he's a little too powerful right now? Yeah, I think so. Um, But I think maybe the form of punishment that you're talking about is going to come with the backlash of this story being released. And maybe, maybe Nerlens Noel isn't the only guy who feels this way. So maybe we'll see kind of an exodus or at least a, a limiting to how many new players clutch gets with this kind of a story that leaks. So maybe that in itself is going to be some sort of punishment, just at least getting this out there. Uh, Cause you have to imagine if Nerlens Noel is getting neglected that, you know, and, and the number of clients that clutch seems to have a, in their roster that he can't be the only one that feels that way. Right. Uh, so maybe, maybe this is what happens now is like clutch takes a little bit of a step back Um from these, from these guys that are just clamoring to join them. Like you said, man, they were, they were gathering up everybody like yeah, Nerlens Noel, you know, but all the way up to the top ranks, um, you know, and, and of course, you know, with LeBron, I do, that's, that's, it's, it's one of the most finessed, you know, moves in the history of superstars in the NBA is, is not, you know, saying that you're not a part of this agency, but it's your best friend that you fucking grew up with. Uh, and yeah, being able to tamper legally is pretty unbelievable. He's don't been tell able- me LeBron doesn't have a say who clutch signs and who they don't sign. Well, I mean, look at look at Contavious Caldwell Pope. I mean, you brought up a couple examples, but KCP is a clutch client mm-hmm. and and was paid out tremendous money <laughs> by the Lakers, <laughs> right? And and overpaid, I think, for at least two to three seasons there, pretty handily. Um, and though you know, clutch can go, well, look, we just traded KCP to get, you know, to get him out of LA. So you can't say that. It was like, yeah, but you also brought in Russell Westbrook for that. Uh, Anthony Davis clutch client forces his way to Los Angeles. So yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said about the fact that clutch sports has a lot of power within the way that the NBA is moving right now. But before them, there was really two, right? It was like CAA, uh, and, the, and the other top one, huh? David Falk had, had ran the game forever. So I think we've gone through periods where there's just big house agencies that like, if you, you know, if you want to do business, you kind of have to pay the piper in a sense. And I think clutch sports is the one that is, you know, taking that role right now, but I think it's been occupied by, you know, people and businesses in the past. So I think it'll, it'll start to level out. Like as these players become more and more aware of their marketability outside of the game of basketball, they're going to look for agencies that can help them achieve those goals and, and, you know, become wealthy outside of what they're taking from their NBA paychecks. And so I think with, you know, the emergence of, of all these new companies that we just saw from name and image likeness being passed in college, there's going to be a lot of more seats at the table for guys like this who want and deserve more attention. Yeah. But wouldn't you be well said, man, but, but wouldn't you be pissed if you're Nerlens and you're going to sign a $70 million deal for a year, you're ready to go. Like, okay, I'm inked, I'm locked in. And then your agent says, no, 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 no. I'm going to get you a hundred. And then that hundred million turns into a one year 4.1. Like I would be livid, man. Absolutely. I would be right. So absolutely. But, but at the same time, Nerland signed the contract. You right. know what I'm saying? Nerland's right. was the one who gets to say thumbs up or thumbs down. It's like, oh, Rich, I can. Rich says I he he can give me a hundred million. 
So I'm, I am turning this down because he says, so yes, you're right. It's fucked up that he got that advice. And same thing with Schroeder, which you brought up, which I think is a great example. Uh, but it is on them, which is, I mean, like they're men, they, they make their own decisions. Of course they want to take the advice of their agent, which is why they hire him and pay them, you know, the commissions that they do. Uh, but I, you know, I think at this point it's for me, it really is like, if you wanted to take that deal, I don't know how rich Paul could have stopped you. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. just as bad, I think just as it's really fucked up and I don't get me wrong. I think rich Paul definitely is to blame for new New Orleans Noel missing out on this money. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he, he needs to know that he's the final decision maker, not his agent. And maybe he he knows that now. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, speaking of a clutch client, Ben Simmons, my boy Benjamin Simmons, <laughs> the the soap opera. Do you, do you think? Do you think that they're actually going to give him some? Do you think Nerlens is going to get something out of this? Um, I think it's going to be more what you were saying. Like this yeah. is going to. I don't think it's going to stop. You know, high value players wanting to go to clutch. Clutch is where it's at, dude. Clutch is the forty forty club. Clutch is you know Ivy. Like that's where you want to be right now. But totally. if I'm one of these middle players like a Schroeder, like a Nerlens Noel, like a Montrez Harrell. Like I might be thinking differently, dude. Like for me, if it was, if, if, if we had somebody come and say, Hey, I want to represent clips and drew, right. I want to be the guy representing clips and drew my company, my agency, whatever. I would rather want that one guy that's going to do everything he possibly can to get clips and drew the most amount of money than being a you know a face in the crowd with somebody with 150 clients you know so maybe it'll make people you know choose better i guess i don't think this is going to ruin rich paul's you know reputation i mean it might put a little stain on it but i think me personally i think he's entitled to some of that money like damn i missed out on a lot of money but I think, you know, double-edged sword, what you're saying, if you're a judge and you're in, you know, this is a legal thing, the judge is going to say exactly what you would say. I will guarantee you that Nerlens Noel will not be cutting a $200,000 check to Clutch Sports over commission lost if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing for me. Yeah, I agree. So back to Clutch Sports really quick. I want to talk about Benjamin Simmons, the soap opera. Yes. I, see, I see him and Rajon Rondo working out out here in L.A., which is just such a funny and we'll talk about Rajon in a minute too, because now he might be another Laker, might be coming yeah. back to the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but what do you th- what are you thinking, man? I I, I just don't see people. There's been rumors that he's probably not going to show up to training camp if he's not if he's you know still with the 76ers. He's he hasn't talked to Doc Embiid's reached out. He hasn't talked to anybody within the organization, which is probably uh, because that's exactly what Rich Paul and Clutch told him not to do. Will handle it, but. The, the offers that are coming in for Ben Simmons are just so – it's just too much, man. Like, the, the latest rumor I heard was Sacramento, right? Sacramento is going to be the one landing spot, and the, it does work. Like, yo, if you give me Buddy Heald and Bagley, like, okay, and, or whatever your pick's coming up, like, okay, that's cool. Then I feel bad for Ben Simmons. Then it's like, oh, dude, now you're in Sacramento now, which would actually be a really good fit. Him and De'Aaron Fox, and, you know, they got uh, Rashad Holmes, and they got our boy Halliburton, and we already talked about uh, – my boy Mitchell, Davion Mitchell, like, okay, that could be a, a, a real fast, high energy kind of team, which would be cool. But what do you think, man? What do you think of what's going to happen with Benjamin Simmons? I don't know, man. I'm, I, I'm just tired of every off season watching him do this shit. Right. I'm so tired of him doing the same thing every off season and jacking threes up and looking great. What? And then, real and quick, then- real quick, real yeah. quick. Why, why is it Ben Simmons hitting an open three in a training session at UCLA goes viral because he hits one three-pointer in a training session? Why? Is that really where we're at as media? Like, we're going to make this a big deal? Sorry, continue. It, was, it is, it is the, dead, it's the, the dead zone right now. We, we, this is, this is Ron where, Baker you know, and Ben Simmons hitting open, wide-open threes in practice. Okay. It, right, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting updates about Devin Booker's trip to Italy. Like, that's how, that's how boring this is right now. This is truly the, the the dead period of the season which is why something like this always goes viral whether it be you know Simmons always it's always Simmons though right because this is the only time that we get footage of him shooting you know other than a free throw which you know we, we know how bad that is too so 
Uh, I'm just tired of this. I, I, I'm, I'm exhausted of it. I don't want to watch another. I, I skip it intentionally. If it's Ben Simmons coming up on my, on my timeline or something, I'm just like, nope, I don't need to see it. I've, I've already bitten to that apple once and it was rotten. I'm not like, I don't need to see this anymore. Are you over Ben Simmons? Start- Are you over Ben Simmons? Like I'm over Ben Simmons or no? Look, man, I'm over. I'm over the constant like questioning and like the the unknown, right? I think it's best that he gets moved. I think we all agree that it's best that he gets moved, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's gonna go that way anytime soon. Um, so, look, I think I think Daryl's gonna have to get creative. Uh, Daryl Morey, the the GM of the Sixers, he's gonna have to get really creative if he wants to move Ben Simmons before the season starts. I think that Simmons's value is going to continually go downhill if it is prolongs the further that it goes into the season. Uh, because look, like if he comes back as a sixer and they start playing games and he, you know, again shies away from the rim or, you know, misses free throws, the, we know Philly is not the spot to be. Uh, you know, as far as like a home crowd, <laughs> they're not going to be coddling to to Ben Simmons and being like, "Oh, we're glad you're still here." Like that shit is. Don't not Don't you think they're go. over him right now, though? Even absolutely, with the, with I think not talking Sixers, to most most Sixers fans want him gone, like right. like yesterday. But my point is, like, if they get to this spot, because everything that they're asking for is astronomical, and everything that they seem to be getting like in return is just not anywhere near what Maury seems to be setting the price tag for. So. I just think they I think they need to do it before the season starts. Uh, I, I think it's going to be very difficult. But I like I said, when I started, I think Daryl is very good at getting creative and involving making this, a you know, a, a three team, four team deal to get what he wants in return in, in a cumulative sense, as opposed to just having to raid somebody's cupboards like he wants to do if it's just a straight up t- trade with one team. So I think that's where maybe we can start seeing some strings being pulled and Simmons can go to the Kings or can go, you know, somewhere. I don't know, Portland, all these all these potential places I'm not sure of. Um, I was rooting for Ben Simmons. I was I was champion, championing, championing him as a player that I still liked, despite his very obvious flaws. Uh, but at this point, I just don't want to see it again. We know what it is with Philly. I, I still feel good about Simmons as a player, much better. I think I, I'm I'm very high on him still in comparison to the rest of the NBA world. Um, but I do want to see it on a different franchise. I want to see it where he has more control over the ball and it has a position that he's comfortable playing and that is you know a system that's built a little bit more around his strengths as opposed to his weaknesses. So I just would like the deal to get done anywhere i don't care where uh to me I, I just i'm still so remorseful that it wasn't the james harden uh ben simmons deal that we that that the the, the rockets turned down i'm remorseful for that because that would have been fucking perfect and we wouldn't be talking about this uh and it would be uh, you know i think it would be a, a fantastic time for houston in that in in light of what they have having him a, around all these other things that they have now with their young guards I don't know. I, that was that was the one that I always missed out on. But look, I have no way to know where he's going to go. All I know is it has to happen. He can't go back to another year of, of Philadelphia basketball. No, he can't. And I will guarantee you he will not be a 76er. There's no way you can wait until, you know, the trade deadline to make this happen. It's just going to be so dysfunctional. I'm, it's obvious that actually it's not obvious because we don't know Joel or Ben. We don't know their kind of relationship and whatnot, but it's going to be weird, right? It's already weird with Drummond there. Throw throw Ben Simmons in the mix now who hasn't talked to anybody in three months. Yeah, I think the Drummond piece could be what we see out of this is like Daryl goes, okay, I'll give you Simmons and Drummond for package in return. So I think, I think Daryl's done a decent job of adding guys at good value for, for the money that he can like build a little bit of a package. So that's not just Simmons straight up for X, Y, and Z. Maybe he goes, here's Simmons and Drummond again, trying to manipulate a three team or four team deal. He has extra pieces. And my hope is I, I Drummond backing up, Embiid is just dumb. I just, I, it's so stupid. I just don't like it. And I mean, look, yeah, if Embiid goes down, if he goes down, if they're still really worried about his knee, then okay, all right, I get why you have Drummond on the bench. But if, if Embiid's looking fine, which, you know, he never he gets, does, gets injured all the time. So I get it from that reason for the injury insurance aspect. But I think more importantly, it actually is something that can be used 
to create something of a package with Simmons to 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 exit. Drummond and Simmons to Golden State for Wiggins and Wiseman. <laughs> what do you think? Daryl Morey hangs up the phone as soon as you stop with with those two options. He's he wants so much more for Simmons than well, that. Well, they're not. I, those are the main focal points. Those are the main. That's what focal I'm saying points. though. Like, so if Daryl Morey wants something from the Warriors, mm-hmm. or if he wants something from Portland, he has to rope in a San Antonio or an Orlando, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like to, to make the pieces that he wants in return back. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think initially Maury was like, cool, I'm just going to do Simmons straight up for another superstar. Dope. This is going to be great. Everyone's going to think this is an awesome trade. And then now it's like, nobody want, nobody's going to give up Simmons straight up for one of their superstars. It's not, it's not happening. So now he takes a step back and goes, all right, now I want exactly what Houston got for James Harden. I want, you know, a decent player or two or three decent players and a shit ton of picks. Like, that's what I want to do then. And everyone's like, still, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's what it has to be. I think if he identifies something that he wants that he thinks he can realistically get as a player that can help them immediately, it's going to have to be in tandem with picks. I think that's what he wants. I heard also Simmons to San Antonio for Derek White, Jonte Murray, and then a few of their picks. And I'm I like, like that. I do too for, for Philly. Right. I like that a lot. I think, right. uh, I think if there is a place that Simmons can go and kind of, and, and be excited about, right. Of all the teams that we're talking about Sacramento, not exciting, not exciting at all. No, no not uh, Washington, all. you know, the Washington thing I think could be pretty exciting eventually. So I think that's the, like the baseline, right. If Washington starts to panic in the middle of the season and Simmons still hasn't been moved and is just like, you know, in a suit, in uh, in Philly or playing and, and just hating it. I do think that that Simmons on Washington could be exciting for him and and for the team. But like other than that, really, what we're thinking about, like San Antonio is a, a great place for a guy that is struggling, that needs some more development. Uh, you know, who knows how long Pop will be there. But if Pop is still there, you know, I that's got to be an appealing uh, aspect to Simmons when he's looking around and it's like, Oh, I don't want to go to Cleveland. I don't, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to Sacramento, you know, like if he starts looking around and going, well, San Antonio could be cool. I think that would be a fun option. And I think they, I mean, clearly San Antonio has built a, a decent roster of young players that would be intriguing to somebody like Daryl Morey, I think for sure. There's really three key free agents left. If you want to call them key and it's uh, JJ Millsap, and uh, your boy, Lori, 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 Lowry, 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 your boy. Um, and it was so funny. Speaking of training camp, JJ Reddick had a great quote this week where he said, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to be, but I'm definitely not going to be at training camp. So I will be, he said, I'm not going to training camp. I will be on some team at some point that's competing for a chip, <laughs> but I think Zion just ruined his training camp experience last year, you know, cause well, Zion and, uh, with, uh, what's my Van stand? Gundy. S- Van SPP. Gundy ruined it. And so he's like, you know what? I've played too long in this league. I am not going to training camp, but I will be on some team at some point. Yeah, Don't worry, guys. Was- I'll show up in shape. I'll, I'll do my stretching. <laughs> right. And I'll be able to catch off the off the bounce or mm-hmm. off the handoff and hit a three. Don't worry about me. Yep. No need for me to be at training camp. But, you know, it's a I'm, I'm a little shocked that Lori hasn't been picked up yet or they haven't they haven't made a deal for that yet. You think I. I think it's like, it's probably the best case scenario for marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone is still has a lot of questions about him as a player uh, that, and they're all very valid, right? I love the kid. I love Laurie marketing. I got to see him at Arizona. You know, he, he always holds a, a near and dear spot to my heart. All those Arizona Wildcats love him. Uh, and he, he projected to be an unbelievable NBA prospect. You think about his size, his athleticism, his shooting ability, his technical skills, even defensively with his length, it's not bad. I think the best thing for him might be just toughing it out and, you know, coming back to Chicago as a backup power forward. And then and then just trying to focus on staying on the floor, not getting injured, doing all the things that you can do this offseason and during the season to maintain your health, because as soon as you can play you know, 75, 70, 75 games and you do a consistent role, we know next year there, there's there's a, a little bit of a drop off for free agency. We just had two really major classes of, of free agents two years ago and then this year. So there should be a little bit of a lull in players that are becoming free agents. Now, there's always these one in one deals that are coming up and all that shit and options that come into play. But he's a restricted free agent. 
I think Chicago has a fun team, probably the most fun team that they've had since he's been there. And um, if he, if he ends up just staying with the bulls, I'm cool with that because I don't think anyone clearly is going to be throwing a significant amount of money to pry him away from Chicago. No, that's because nobody's seen enough of him, right? We just haven't seen what this kid's capable of doing. So you're, you're thinking that he should do what Nerland's attempted to do is, you know, sign the 4.1 million and go for the, go for the, the, the bag next year. If you can play some games, if he can prove to Chicago that he can bring something to them, they mm-hmm. will be stupid not to offer him some sort of extension or some sort of, you know, two, three, four year deal for decent money. Like, look at what Kelly Olenek got paid this year. That's what I think Laurie deserves. Mm. But he's still a restricted free agent. So they still, they don't have to, he doesn't have to sign anything, right? He, he, he signed the qualifying offer that they have, you know, but it's really, a, you know, been parceled out in his contract. Like the, if, he do, if he doesn't get uh, an offer from another team, he's just going to be on the Bulls next year mm. for, the, for the money that they expect for him to have. Uh, and I think for real, like we talked about what Bobby Portis could have gotten in this, in this, I mean, I think that money is there for him. If he can just prove that he can stay healthy, that's, that's mm-hmm. all I keep talking about. So why not, why not be able to be the seventh or eighth man on a Chicago team? That's going to be really fun and exciting and probably a playoff team. If they're not a playoff team, something went really wrong. This went year. really wrong. Agreed. So that would be great for him to be on a, a, a team that has a winning record and he actually plays 70 to 75 games. I'm, I'm in for that. And the market will be there for him next off season. So, you know, about it happens maybe once every two weeks with me, Drew, there's one Instagram post or something <laughs> that just really just, re- I know you're laughing. Cause you know how I get bro. There's just one post that always gets me. And I, and I think they're coming at me specifically. Cause they're like, you know what? This is going to piss some people off, especially our boy clips. Right? So And I'm a little upset that it came from a website that I really like. So our guys who we've already shouted out right now, basketballreference.com, who I used to use. Worse than basketballnews.com. Much worse than basketball news. Did I say basketball news? No, I'm saying basketball reference is worse. Basketball news is better. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, of course. Basketball news. Don't use basketball reference. Go to basketballnews.com. We have all the things you need. Once we signed with basketballnews.com, that's all I've gone to. But sometimes (laughs) when you got to look up a Ron Baker stat, you got to go to basketball reference and check it out. That's true. So anyways, they come up with this Hall of Fame probability, right? And they've got a list of, I think it's 15 players. LeBron's 100%. CP3, 100%. KD, 100%, right? Harden's 99.97%. They go to Steph, who's not 100%. It's 99.96. Like, why does he lose 0.4 percentage points? Like, what did Steph do wrong? Anyways, we go all the way down. Their last player is Giannis at 67% to make the Hall of Fame. And r- right above Giannis is Love at 73.4%. So Kevin he's Love. <laughs> what? Kevin Love. Let's yeah, it's not Buddy clear. Love. It's not no. Buddy Love. Kevin Love is Kevin right Love. above Giannis yes. for probability of hall of fame yes and right below Kawhi at 77.69 percent i was heated at the Kawhi thing yes i'm a little biased but i'm also a realist this is just fucking ridiculous how do you have Kyrie irving at 83 point actually well Kyrie will be in the hall of fame one day most likely yes but how do you have him six percentage points higher how do you have pg eight percentage points higher than Kawhi Leonard at probability of making the hall of fame. What nerds are doing these freaking percentages? It's not first ballot, right? It's, it's not based on first ballot. It's just Just hall of fame probability. Yeah. I think the funniest thing about what we're talking about is that all of those guys on the list are going to be in the hall of fame. Every one of them will. Every one of them reference does not take into account the fact that it's an open door policy in the basketball hall of fame. Other than Robert Ori, everyone fucking gets in. And Robert Ori is probably going to get in in the next few years because there's been this big push to get Big Shot Bob in the Hall of Fame. But we've been through this over the, over the years that we've done this podcast. If, if, if Basketball Reference is being serious about this, literally every single player on that list is 100% to make the Hall of Fame. Look, if Giannis has his left foot amputated today and can never play again... In the Hall of Fame. I'm MVP... Finals MVP, championship winner. He's in the Hall of Fame. You're in the Hall of Fame. You're <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. Averages his. He's. I think at this point he's played. I think maybe Giannis mm-hmm. is close to playing the same amount of years as Larry Bird. Okay, 
he's definitely in the fucking Hall of Fame. He's absolutely in the Hall of Fame. Kawhi Leonard's in the Hall of Fame. Kyrie's in the Hall of uh, the whole list. Everyone. Kevin Love is gonna be in the Hall of Fame. He has like two gold medals. He's got uh what he's got a championship, he's got uh, a couple first or a forty least- rebound game. That should be enough too, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, he had a he had he had some of the biggest statistical rebound games that we've had in recent memory. Uh, I just, I mean, and, and of course, of the list, Kevin Love is the lowest in all of our measure as far as probability for Hall of Fame. And I think Paul George should be right there next to him because Paul George has never done anything other than be a great All Star, which is enough to get in the Hall of Fame these okay. days. Okay, so let's set the bar here. They have Dame at ninety point six three. Okay. Dame, who is going to be in the Hall of Fame, I get it. But how is Dame ahead of Lowry, PG, Kyrie, Kawhi, Love, and Giannis? Like, it's just, it's just weird to me, man. It's a weird. I want to know where they're, how they came up with these numbers, right? Do you think, do you think uh, um, Kyle Lowry is a first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, that's the, the the first ballot stuff is tricky because it really depends on who's up like who who's up for that class mm-hmm. right so like it, and, and that all depends on when these guys retire mm-hmm. and and i think you have to be five years removed from retirement in order to get into the hall of fame so it, that is all really tricky first ballot second ballot it really depends on what the roster looks like <laughs> and right. how many guys the nba feels comfortable with allowing if they don't want a three-hour hall of fame ceremony even though it usually is uh for 15 guys right so i think that part's tricky but kyle lowry's gonna be in the hall of fame it's it's just funny to me how PG is eighty four percent, but Kawhi is seventy seven percent. And you know I love both of these guys, but there's it's just a no freaking brainer. And then again, Steph at ninety nine point nine six, just give him a hundred percent. He's in the Hall of Fame, no matter what. Same, yeah, it's the same thing with Giannis. If Steph lost his arm and couldn't play basketball anymore, he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this this Clay Thompson is in the Hall of Fame. If he never plays again, if Clay Thompson never plays again, he's in the Hall of Fame. Ooh, that'd be a fun discussion. He is. That's okay. He's one of the best three-point shooters ever. Mm-hmm. He's won three rings. He's been on all defensive teams, and he's been an all-star several years. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's what the, that's what it is. I think that's the interesting part about this whole thing is that, it, again, it's dead season, dead zone. But <laughs> And it got, it got you riled up. So, I think mission accomplished. Oh, but boy. I don't know what sort of algorithm they were using for this, but clearly it's just wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that fired me up. Hopefully something else, the dead zone. I love that drew. Cause that's exactly what it is. Like I watched more videos of PG paddleboarding in Tahiti last week. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? It's just funny to watch Paul George paddleboard, right? Be on a paddleboard, but you're living your best life. So, yeah. um, I want to, I want to bring something up. I know a lot of our listeners aren't really into top shot yet, but I kind of want to toot my own horn drew. Um, I've been crushing this week. I'm up 40 freaking percent. My, yeah. my, my collection is booming. NFTs in general is booming. The whole market is on fire. If you guys have a collection and don't want to do it anymore, holler at your boy because I'm buying right now. <laughs> if you're selling, Clips is buying right now. But I was really strategic this week. I made, like I said on the show, I made a lot of money in Vegas off the the summer league moments, which was just an awesome experience. And I was really smart. I reinvested it into the ecosystem of top shot, but I made really wise, wise choices as far as the moment, the player and everything is just booming. And like all bull markets, like something will happen. It'll flatten out at some point, but like tomorrow they're introducing the WNBA top shot. And although I'm not super, super excited, like I am with the NBA, it's showing that top shot is doing you know, is being progressive and moving into different demographics. What this means for Top Shot is we're going to get new fans and new members. New members are people that are going to be in the marketplace and buying moments and helping people like me that are putting stuff up. But I really wanted to complete my Clipper set, obviously. So I have 245 NFTs right now, which is a lot. I've hit the, t- I'm in the top 2%. There's over 600,000, 500,000 users on Top Shot. I'm in the top 2%. Um, as far as collection and market spend versus market value and whatnot. So anyways, I collect, I got all the rare moments from, and then there were four, which is the Clippers Western Conference Finals, which is awesome. Uh, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, even Pat Beverly. Now I wanted the Pat Beverly moment because that's probably his last moment ever as a Clipper. And I just really wanted it. So in order to get your collector score up, uh, which you need in order to get these packs, they want you to complete team sets, right? Yeah. So obviously I wanted to complete the Clipper set. I completed the series two 
did all of that. But in order to get the huge collector score, you got to collect the the whole team, right? Yep. Season uh, series one moments. I needed to get Jermichael Green, Landry Shamit, Montres Harrell. Their first moments. Season ones are just exploding right now. So, anyways, there's these thing called bottlenecks where it's like one of these moments for this specific team, whether whether it's the Utah Jazz or Washington Wizards, whatever. There's going to be a bottleneck moment, which is just extremely expensive that you're going to need to buy in order to complete that whole set. So I have every single moment for the Clippers, but the bottleneck is a Chris Paul run it back. Seventeen hundred bucks is wow. I know, dude. So what does that mean? Break this down for people that don't know what you're talking about. When you say $1,700, that's how much you're going to have to spend on this moment in order to attain it? That is that is the floor right now. That's the lowest asking price for it right now. And, and what do you get for making that purchase? You complete your set, and then what does that do for you? So it, it opens up a lot of doors. So again, with collector score, which, which Top Shot is moving towards, like... Uh, in order to get these rare and legendary packs and whatnot, they 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 have three different tier, uh, three different queues that you can go in. It used to just be one queue for everybody. You, Drew's experienced this. If there's thirty thousand packs, but there's three hundred thousand people that want these packs, your 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 chance of getting that pack is very small. So what they're doing now is, you know, based on your collector score, you'll have priority queue if you have an eight thousand or more, uh, depending on what they set that at. And your collector score almost doubles when you have a full team set. And also like what we got to see during the finals was if you had a complete Phoenix Suns uh, full set, you got an opportunity to go to the NBA finals and have a suite and and go to a game. And I think these are going to open up for your respective teams it's going to open up opportunities, cool opportunities. Like, yo, you can go to a workout with Paul George and you can, you know, there's just a lot of things that can happen now. Obviously, I'm a collector as it is. I want all the Clipper moments, but I haven't spent seventeen hundred. Okay, right. that's a I big spent, dollar tag. It, it is, man. And I I needed the Lou Williams metallic gold, which was going for four hundred dollars. That's the most I had ever spent on. But again, this is money that I've made on. It's like it's like Monopoly money, but it is your money. I've never cashed out. I've put everything back into the system of Top Shot. And I've completed the Clipper season two set and I completed the Atlanta Hawks season two set uh, because it was the cheapest and I had the most moments for that. But what would be your take on it, man, for seventeen hundred dollars for the Chris Paul for me to complete? Well, I think you're onto something when you say, you know, there that we've experienced, especially with Top Shot, just in the early, you know, few months and, and what is it, two years now that they've been in existence? No, it's not been even one year, well, a year and but a half. We've seen how high and how low, you know, this thing goes. And and you know, with cryptocurrency, NFTs, it's a very volatile environment. Uh, but when it comes to your level of investment, I think what you're doing is you're not, you're not necessarily the day trader, right? You're not, you're not in there to make a quick $4. Sometimes you do that if it makes sense, but what you're talking about is bigger. It, it's, it's about being a collector. And I think when it comes to that, there's always going to be value in, in, in moments if people are also willing to buy them, right? Like that's the most interesting part about the volatility is like, is there a market for this? Clearly there is. And, and then when the market dries up, you're like, Oh shit, maybe I spent too much money, but over the long term especially because this is just getting started and really starting to ramp up. I do think projecting this down five, 10 years is a, probably a smart way to do it. And you have to assume if this, if this is going to go the way that it has in, in just its early infancy here in the, the first year and a half, and it's going to continue to go, you know, again, peaks and valleys, but most likely going to go up uh, over the long term. Why not make the investment now and then see what you got at the end. And at the very least, it'll give you, you know, the, the good feeling that you have, you have these moments, the moments that you actually like, as opposed I, to just looking at it from an investment standpoint, man, I love, I mean, these, the Kawhi dunks in the playoffs were crazy. Paul George is just going off. You know, when he, when he laid Chris Paul out, that was a, and then there were four pack and these are rare. They're seven ninety nine. Now I want people to understand this too. Like this bottleneck, Chris Paul is a run it back moment. It is a rare, there's only 299 of them. Meaning moving forward, if you want to collect the, that whole clipper set, only two, 199 people will be able to have that moment. So it will be going up in value, you know, for a long time. I've seen, and, and the way I looked at it was like, yo, Kawhi Leonard might not play all season. I bought up all of Kawhi's moments from this year. I doubled down on a couple of them and they've been skyrocketing because people are, are, are seeing that too. And I'm also seeing the influx of users and money in the market 
from the people we signed up at at Summer League, all the new people that signed up. Yesterday, Top Shot just had their biggest sale, a $230,000 jersey number, serial number 23 of LeBron. 230, yo. That's a lot. And I, obviously, I, I don't have that kind of bread. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you also have to be strategic. Like, I needed the, this Jermichael Green, Montrez, and, and Landry, right? So I sold off one of the RJ Hamptons from Summer League that I got $200 for, which is now... 80 bucks. But I, and then I bought those moments with that. Right. And, um, sold my, my Jalen Brown. When you think about it, like, would I rather have a Jalen Brown rare or would I rather have that Lou Williams rare? Like I'd rather have the Lou Williams. So let me ask you this for someone that is new to top shot. We've, we've talked about it, you know, your journey since it started, uh, on this podcast quite a bit, but if someone is excited about this right now, and and since it is the, the dead zone, they want to occupy their time and, and maybe start collecting, what would be the first thing that you would advise them to do if they're new to Top Shot and they just start their account today? I'll give free game right now, Drew, because moving forward, I'm not giving any more of my advice. I don't, yeah, you don't have to give your hints and your tips or your secrets. Just what would be something that, that you would think would make a lot of sense for someone that's just starting to mess around with this? So what you should do is just start your account. And immediately you're able to access what you can buy a pack right now, a base set, which will give you three moments, right? And then Top Shot will let you buy a booster pack. If you've, if you've bought less than three packs, you can go in right now and get another pack, which is three moments. So starting today for 18 bucks, you can get six moments. Who knows what your moments are going to be? Uh, they're all minted. Season two is done to 40,000. So there will never be more than 40,000 of these base set moments. And you never know what you're going to pull. But my suggestion would be don't get in this for the flip, right? I mean, you can if you pull something that's just ridiculous. Like, look, man, giving me t 30 moments from Summer League that were valued at $200 a piece. Yes, flip, flip five, six, seven of them. Keep one, you know, keep two, whatever you got to do. And, but a lot of those opportunities aren't going to come. My suggestion is find your favorite team, your favorite player, buy the moments that you find awesome or that that a game that you were at and, or a player that you just really like or double down on LaMelo. LaMelo's skyrocketing, right? Uh, two weeks ago, the double badge rookie was 30 bucks. It's at 80 right now, you know, which is just, if you know anything about stocks in the market, that is great. And if you look at, I was looking at Michael Porter Jr.'s double badge series one rookie is going for just a double badge going for like 250 right now. I see LaMelo by next season, those being at 250, 300, $400. So there's things that you should hold, but be in it because it's fun and you love and you love collecting and you love basketball. And then once you can maybe sell a couple things, buy, buy a rare, buy something that's 50, 60 bucks if you want to, you know, or if there's, if, if there's a player you think that's going to skyrocket, you know, in, in the next coming year, if you think, if you think Patrick Williams is going to be, you know, if his double badge rookies, eight bucks right now, I think you have one too, Drew, you have one of those. I do. Yeah. And uh, cause I monitor Drew's account too. I like to look and see what Drew's got. Drew's got a nice KD in there. He's got a Trey young that I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for Drew to offer me the Trey young at some point. Cause I want it. It's not crazy. It's 13 bucks, but whatever. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll sell it when, when it hits a hundred. <laughs> First of all, I've made you money, Drew. I've told you when to sell. That DeAndre Ayton I got you $80 for is now $12. So I knew when to sell. No, no, that's why that's why I'm, that's why I need your help. I need your assistance. I need it. I just I, I I see a huge bright future in Top Shot. I see the value. It took me a little while. Obviously, I jumped in right away and and spent way too much money on some bullshit moments uh, that I was just it was FOMO. That's all it was was FOMO. And uh, now I have a plan and I know what I want. I have I have written down over here players and some moments that I know are going to have value to them. And again, collecting all the Clipper moments. Cause like, look, the bottleneck that we're talking about this, Chris Paul, like who's the most famous team in, in the NBA drill. The most famous team yeah, in the like, NBA. Who's the most popular team in the NBA. What's the Lakers or the Knicks, the Lakers, 1000%. Right. And if you want to collect the whole, if you want that whole Lakers set, the bottleneck is a Steve Nash, run it back moment, which is going for like seven K or, or I could be wrong. Five K. So you have to be one hell of a collector or a huge, uh, you know, Laker fan to put that kind of money into that. But when you think about the amount, how rare that moment is and how many Laker fans there are in the world, like that can be, you know, in, who knows in five years what that's going to be. So anyways, that's my top shot breakdown for everybody. Um, 
if again, if you have an account and you don't want your moments, holler at me because we can work a deal out. You can <laughs> gift your boy clips five five five. Shocking, that's my name. Yeah. Um, final thoughts, Drew. You got any final thoughts for us? Um, yeah, my final thoughts is right now. Typically, this time of year is when I'm the furthest away from basketball. All of us, right? There's, there's no basketball. There's no NBA happening. So we all get to take a little breather. But what I do is I occupy my time. You know this, man. Soccer? Liverpool. <laughs> their season has just started. I'm all in on Liverpool. And this is really when I get into my fantasy football, my NFL. I put my NFL hat on for, for really, honestly, the month of August. And then leading into September, October, as the as the NBA season starts to emerge, then I start to lower my NFL intake. But I am so excited about both Liverpool and fantasy football. I am just fully in. And what it does, though, it, it, it it's really important for me to have these other things, because if it was just basketball, I would just be so depressed right now. I would just be, you know, it just rejuvenate it rejuvenates my love for the NBA, for the game of basketball, by having these downtimes, letting me go and, and mess around with other sports, uh, you know, kind of like the side chick, but my main, you know, my main girl NBA is always going to be there, but just in a couple months, man. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a funny time for me, but my final thoughts is I couldn't be happier that I get to focus on my boys, Liverpool and my beautiful fantasy team that I'm about to build next week. And you don't you don't have to watch Ben Simmons hit open threes in gyms anymore. You can focus. Yeah, on I don't him. need to occupy my time with Ben Simmons. I don't need that. I don't need to see the workout tapes. Let's you know once once preseason rolls around, then then we'll refocus. But right now, it's just really great for me to be. All I give a shit about right now is nine thirty on Saturday, Chelsea against Liverpool. Let's go. And if you follow Drew, you know how passionate he is about his soccer. We've never, I've yet to see him play soccer, but this dude loves his Liverpool team. And I'd love to see him kick the ball around a little bit. <laughs> so my brother was a very good soccer player. He is, he was a, my older brother. He's 11 years older than me. So growing up, I was a, his goalkeeper by default because I couldn't, you know, I was five years old. He's 16. They, we can't play soccer together, but he can shove me in front of goal and blast, you know, soccer balls right past me. And I can try, try and dive in. So I'm a, I'm a hell of a, a goalkeeper. I will say that right. Basketball makes a lot of sense that if I'm a basketball player, the best sport that or the best position I'll be in, in soccer is, is goalkeeper, but I'm not terrible uh, with my feet. I'm not, I'm, I'm better than I think if you just looked at me, you'd be going, Oh, this guy actually knows a little bit like how to dribble. He, he can actually pass the ball a little bit. He can kick it. I'm not, I am not a good soccer player. I have, I no need video up. drew. We all need video. I have no stamina, but I can do some techers. I can do some, I can do some <laughs> things with the ball that, that would, that would surprise people. I think. Uh, but it's a very limited uh, skill set. My final thoughts is um, going to be a quick one, but I'm going to retire something from Clips and Drew, and I'm retiring anything is possible because I want to give a shout out to the homie J.R. Smith, who's yes. doing something with his life post basketball, right? I love it. It's probably obvious that this guy should be on an NBA team, he could still play. But this dude's going to play golf. Who would have thought? I didn't even know. I know most NBA players, a lot of NBA players like to play golf. J.R. Smith would be the last dude that I would think is really good. And from everything I've read from players that have played with him, he's nice. All right. And he's going back to school at UNC. No. I'm sorry. Sorry. North Carolina A&T. Thank A&T, not UNC. Thank you. Uh, no. But the man's going back to school. Uh, he, he posted last night, to, uh, he was, he was kind of dogging house of highlights because he's like, yo, you guys need to drop the handy thing is possible. I'm trying to better myself and do something cool. And that's exactly what he's doing. I, I can't wait to watch this guy play golf. And it's kind of funny because people that are in his class, like in these group chats, don't even think it's him. They don't believe it. And we get to see all these really cool videos of students taking pictures of J.R. Smith, trying to figure out where his classes are. And it's just, I, I want 30 for 30 to be documenting this and let's see this dude do something on the golf, on the golf course, do something really cool. How cool would that be? I absolutely love this move. And as a guy that has not played five on five basketball because of the pandemic in over a year, I am like very curious as to what my golfing eligibility is for college. I want to do this. I want to do it. I don't care if it's a junior league or junior, a high, what am I saying? I don't care if it's a JC. 
Uh, yeah, junior college. Uh, I don't care if it's. You'd probably be great on the junior high team too, Drew. I do. I'll go play high school golf. I I play so much golf now in comparison to how much basketball I play because it's impossible to play five on five anywhere, uh, and my body would just explode if I tried to do that. But I am very jealous that Jr. had this thought and then actually was able to get it, like execute it. I think this is awesome. Uh, I think I like it for real. Like I definitely want to also do this. <laughs> I don't think I have eligibility left, but I just I love this thing, man. I mean, for those that are too young to remember, Jr. came straight out of high school, uh, so never did the one and done thing. It was back in the time where you could just do that. You could just be a high school player. That you could gets be eighteen drafted. and be like, I'm going to go to the L. I'm yeah, just go exactly. To no and, and he had a hell of a career. I, and a lot of those guys that were drafted alongside of him in those years that were coming from high school never made it as long as J.R. Smith and never had the impact on the NBA that J.R. did. Uh, but this is just awesome. I think it's fantastic. I also think, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world for us to continue to say anything is possible. No, I'm we're okay. done. We're done with it as a, as a group. We're done with it. I'm done. I'm with okay it. with that. I don't we don't say it a lot, uh, but I'm OK with deading it. What I'm what I mean, though, is like I like J.R. Smith being anything is possible like that's that's part of why i was a fan of jr smith as a basketball player he kind of had that attitude and it, you know yes the henny thing is 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 you know whatever it is i i, I can understand why he wants to move beyond it's it played out now it's played but out for now. i think for me and for a lot of people it's like an endearing thing we're not like making fun of him by saying anything is possible but i get it right you don't want to undercut the man when he is doing something he's going back to college or he's going to college for the first time and he's going to play some fucking awesome golf while he's out there. This is just, it's fantastic. I agree with you. There should be a reality TV show, a camera, a YouTube show, something, Facebook, anybody should be following him with a camera and just, just being around J.R. Smith. And then especially let's watch him play some golf, dude. I want to definitely do that. A shout out to J.R. Smith, man. And, and I have to imagine that this probably, you know, for guys like Andre Iguodala, who only had, I think only was one or two years at Arizona. Like we know Iggy's a hell of a, a golfer. He might come back to U of A now and and, and maybe get a master's. I, I I feel like he finished his his degree. He's Iggy's a very smart guy, um, and has done really well with his investments while he was in the Warriors facilities up there in Bay Area. But it, this might open the door for more for more of this. Like also like you know I, I always think it's interesting. Like Aaron Rodgers is just like a fucking crazy good golfer. If for those that don't know, like he had that match. Uh, with Tom Brady and him, and he's Aaron Rodgers, is like a scratch fucking golfer. Mm. Steph Curry, scratch golfer. Iguodala, mm. scratch. Like it's amazing. Tony Romo was, I think, at one point trying to get on the, the tour because he's so good. I think that's fun. Is like seeing these athletes that we know as like football player, basketball player. Go, you know what? Actually, I'm pretty fucking good at golf too. And I think I think that I love that. I would love to have just just extrapolating. Let's have an old school like retired golf celebrity league i want that you know what i'm saying like so when iggy's done, i know i know mj wants in for MJ's sure mj's in that's mj's not even as good as these guys that's right. what that's what i'm saying like these guys are good mj's a good golfer but he's not he's not like possibly making the tour like some of these guys uh and who knows how good jr is in comparison to the, the guys that we've talked about but uh we're gonna see though it. drew we're gonna see we're gonna see I how love, good he is yeah i love it and i want as much footage of jr swinging a club as i can get in my life that's where i'm at no less ben simmons more <laughs> jr smith <laughs> yeah i'm with you on that also uh have you watched uh malice yet on netflix produced by I, jermaine o'neal it's a must watch i haven't I, done it yet you you have to do it tonight it's great ron obviously uh, what i like the most is they brought in um, the fans too, like Jermaine wanted both sides. They brought in the fans that, that, that they both hit, you know, and obviously Jack's in it and it's just great. Really well done. Produced by Jermaine O'Neal. Um, he did a phenomenal job on it. You guys, if you haven't watched it, watch it. Um, what a crazy fucking night that was malice at the palace. Jesus. That was oh, wild. I, I still remember I was eating penne pasta. My mom had cooked us some nice penne pasta. I was watching the game. And my dad was on a business trip or something. So just me and my mom, we were just watching the game and it was the end of the game. And it was just insane. It was just like one of those things where I, I don't think I moved for a while. Cause I like, or blinked. I was just like trying to watch all of it at once. It was just so chaotic, but I remember that night very vividly. I, I can't wait to watch that. I was watching that at my crib in Valencia as well. And this is no joke when I, I couldn't believe the foul that he laid on that Ron laid on uh, Ben, right. On Ben Wallace. And I was like, oh, that's not good at the end of the game. And I saw him lay down. I saw him lay down. And when I saw – this is no joke, bro. When I saw the cup hit him, 
I said, oh, shit. That's exactly what I said. And boom. It's just a great uh, – it's, it's really great how they brought everybody together to really – talk about what the fuck happened and i I, i've said on this show many times like i've got to spend time with ron artest and he was with meta whatever you want to call him literally one of the nicest people i've ever met in my life so some people just have that ticker bro that ticker and that shit was flipped and boy was that wild talk about awesome uh camera work because because the guy was just on our test because he was laying down on the scores table and got the perfect like we got to see the cup hit him right in the chest because ESPN just had it. The camera guy focused on our test. That was unbelievable because I think in most moments, especially now, like they would go to commercial. I don't they- I don't know, man. Ron Artest laying down on the scores table. You don't see that often. So they're probably like, you know, let's keep let's keep the camera on him. Yeah, totally. Totally unbelievable camera work. That guy deserved a raise if he's still on ESPN. Uh, staff he, he deserves a raise watch the malice on netflix uh rate review subscribe we got t-shirts i'm rocking the new follow through t right now if you guys want to cop one and support your boys uh send us a screenshot when you're listening to the show we appreciate everybody that is doing that we're going to be back shortly a couple days we're going to have an update on ben simmons three-point shooting at ucla and we'll give you an update on ron baker and how he's doing in the medical device field it's the follow-through with clips and drew Sonia Curry, I am coming for you. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the